Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Talkie City podcast. My name is Dan Murphy. I'm joined today by Mr. Simon Bukowski. Si, how's it going? Yeah, very well, thanks. How are you? I'm not so bad at all. The sun's back. We know when we may be free. I'm still riding on cloud nine. And also joining me today is Mr. Stuart Brennan. Stuart, how is it hanging? Hanging? What, what's going on there? You don't want to know how it's hanging, mate. You really don't. <laughs> it's hanging in all the wrong places these days. So Wow. What <laughs> no, a start. Fine, fine, thank you. Well, good stuff. And I'll tell you what, it's also fine because it's been another good week for Manchester City. Another two wins. On Sunday, they had a 1-0 victory against Arsenal. And then just on Wednesday night, 2-0 in Budapest against Borussia Mönchengladbach in the Champions League last 16. So, the train just keeps on rolling. Yeah, they're uh, they're just far too good for any other team at the minute. Um, fundamentally, they're, they're defending wonderfully. And so, they're not letting teams get anywhere near their goal. And when you do that, you've got a very good chance of winning football matches. I don't think they've been at their best attacking-wise for the last two games. But if you don't concede any goals, you're, uh, you put yourself in a very good position and they've had enough to win both games. So, yeah, 19 in a row and uh, it's looking... Very difficult to see who will stop them. Yes, Stu, how did you rate the two performances this weekend? I think the Arsenal, I say, I think Arsenal surprisingly kind of stepped to them a little bit more than you'd imagine. But City, as we've seen recently, they've been happy to kind of step off. And unlike last season, they're so much more just comfortable defending, sitting back. They don't need to be in control all the time. They're more than happy now just to absorb pressure. And when they've got a lead, they'll just hold it. Yeah, how boring is it? Very. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking a week or two ago to my predecessor Chris Bailey. I was I was lucky enough to start covering City in two thousand and nine. Uh, obviously, a year into the uh, into the Sheikh Mansour era, and I was saying just how lucky, saying to Chris how lucky he was that he he covered City during the uh, the, the tough times. You know, when there was <laughs> actual boardroom crises and traumas <laughs> and dramas and playing in the third tier and going to York uh, and it, you know and we're talking about covering City in an era where they, they're going to brush and munch and gladback and winning without breaking sweat mm-hmm. um, but in a lot of ways I mean obviously it isn't boring because the level of football that they're playing is, is just fascinating but in some ways it is I mean I can imagine neutrals not really getting a lot out of it because you know, we know what's we know what's happening. Every every game, he seems he just seems to go the same way. I mean, I take your point about Arsenal, but I still never felt Arsenal were going to mm. win that game. I didn't think they were going to get anything out of it, uh, even even when they gave it a go. City are just so much in control, uh, and as I said, it's it's just about it's about the way they defend. And Ruben Diaz has got loads of credit for that, and quite rightly so. Mm-hmm. But it's the way they defend as a team that's that's the important thing. You know, the, it's an 11-man defence. Uh, the fact that Diaz has come in and shored it up so that there's that extra security when teams do manage to break the press and counter them is important. But some days, you know, Ruben Diaz doesn't hardly gets a kick. Um, <laughs> and we're still singing his praises. But, it's, it's, this, but this is City. It's a collective effort. That's what you get, and that's why they're so good. Mm-hmm. No, you're spot on. It is getting dull. Like when I was kind of making the agenda today, when I found out we were podding, I was like, right, "City are winning again. What? What are we to discuss?" But I think one player who has been exciting size, Jao Cancelo. Like, well, and all that kind of City's Portuguese contingent, apart from Gundogan, Diaz, Bernardo, and Cancelo, are probably in line for City's Player of the Year, and it certainly stands Portugal in good steads for the uh, upcoming Euro, uh, well, uh, Euros in the summer. Like, even but you no, know, they're all kind of. Especially Cancelo and Bernardo, they were kind of on the outs last season, um, certainly not playing as well, and now they're just playing phenomenally well. Yeah, there's something about, firstly, the, the academies in Portugal where they're very well trained. Um, you've had Bernardo, Cancelo and Diaz, and also Edison, who've come through Benfica. 
And, you know, Bruno Fernandes came to United uh, last year and completely changed their mentality as a club um, and as a team. And Ruben Diaz seems to have done that with, with City this season, sparking them into just a team that were had the confidence completely shot to a team that just believes they're going to they're going to win every week. I, I think what Cancelo is doing in the team is is pretty remarkable. If you listen to Pep Guardiola tonight in a, on Friday night's press conference, he would suggest otherwise. But there we are. Um, it, it, Cancelo seems to be a major reason to me as to why hmm. City are, are so good this season. Yeah, I'd certainly agree. Because when I was watching the um, the Everton game recently, he was his positioning is just you'd thought he he kind of it must be. Guardiola's kind of second coming of Philip Lahm. That's the only thing I can think of. Because like when it's on his side from the start of moves, he's stretching the pitch, um, making it as big as possible for Sterling or Foden to drift inside. And if the ball's on the other side, he's drifting into midfield, offering another kind of passing option. I think he's just been absolutely sent. If it wasn't for Gundogan's kind of rich vein of form, Stu, I think Cancelo like would be up for the player of the year this year because he's just been, I think, I'd, I'd love to, I presume we might have to wait till a certain embargo for to wear Pep's thoughts on that Cancelo thing, Sai, unfortunately. So we may not be able to talk about it just now, but that seems mad to me that he might not be kind of pleased with what he's doing. I, I think he's, he's he's pleased with what he's doing. I mean, he's, he's tried it with every fullback, really. I, mm. I still think back to the first game under under Pep against Sunderland in uh, in 2016 and it was, it was Sanya and Clichy and they were coming inside and we were all wondering what on earth was going on, even those those of us who, who'd seen Philip Lahm do it at Bayern. So he, he tried it with his first pair, you know, he's done it with Zinchenko, he did it with Delph, even Carl Walker's done it to an extent. Mm-hmm. But nobody has done it like Cancelo has done it. You know, he he's just built for the role. He's got so, he's technically so good. The only, the only, the only downside of that, I mean, I love, I love a good attacking uh, fullback, a good, you know, I, I like Kyle Walker. I like the way, you know, when, when you see him at full tilt going at going at fullbacks. Uh, perhaps I'm a little old fashioned in that, and and that's what City bought with with Cancelo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were told he used to be a winger and he he was quick and he was, you know, he, he he hits the byline and gets good crosses in. Uh, and we haven't really seen that of him. You know, we we've seen it in glimpses, but it's it's not been a regular thing. And now he's now he's been reinvented as as an inverted fullback, if you like. We we possibly never will because he's just doing such an excellent job of it that why why change it it's going to be interesting in the later stages of the Champions League I think though you know if they come up against a Bayern mm-hmm. uh, or yeah. even something like a Borussia Dortmund who, who will seek to exploit that the space that gets left left when he when he moves up that that'll be the the telling point I think but he's it's, it's great to watch I mean he's he's balling for Bernardo or well, two balls in for Bernardo for the two goals mm-hmm. uh, we're just both exceptional you know it's, it's just it's just different class this is the right back he was playing in a, a sort of a left-sided attacking midfield role uh, and putting in balls like that to the far post it's, it's it's unheard of and you know Pep declines the credit but you've got to give him the credit for you know for seeing it and I mean, I'm saying seen it. It could, it could be, it could be seen as trial and error because he hmm. he's tried every fullback in that role and he's finally hit on one that that does it to a to a top class midfielder's level. 
And a word on Bernardo, like a goal and assist on Wednesday in Champions League. He's been coming up with crucial goals again. It's kind of the season. It goes, he's putting in performances now that were like the season City last won the league, especially kind of the Liverpool game rings true when I think he ran like 14 kilometres. He's now, after like a shaky kind of off year last year, he's really kind of found his influence again. And like De Bruyne is back fit now. Gundogan's fit and rare. And it's hard to fit him. Foden's been playing so well. It's hard to fit him all into the team. Mares has suddenly found a good run of form as well, Stu. Who's going to start? Like, where does where's he fit them all in? Well, he fits them all in because it's two games a week. You know, this, mm. this is always this is Pep's stock reply in press conferences to you know to to how how do you keep everybody happy? But you know, I think he changed five or six. Was it in midweek? He'll probably change five or six again uh, this weekend, and then there's another game midweek after that. And the beauty of it is, you can make five or six changes and not really interrupt the flow. You know, mm-hmm. a year or so ago, if you'd have t- if you'd have said Kevin De Bruyne would be out for, for six weeks or, or however long, uh, it'd have been oh oh my goodness, you know, how are they going to cope with that? But it's just been so smooth they've just carried on the same because other players have stepped up Gundogan stepped up Bernardo stepped up Phil Foden stepped up they've all they've all just flowed smoothly into the gap uh, and it's just kept on rolling and that that's that's the key to it obviously the situation comes now where there's only Nathan Ake who, who's still injured yeah. uh, and he, he has to be picking picking to you know there's going to be big games coming up at the moment the games are all much of a muchness they're all sort of up there you know uh, but when, when you get the big games, play, all players want to play in the big games. You know, if, unless he has injuries, he will uh, he'll have some serious selection dilemmas, uh, and that that's when players can start getting unhappy. I think at the moment he's able to keep them happy because you know you know if you don't play at the, on the Saturday or the Sunday, there's a very good chance you'll play on the Tuesday or the Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and playing once a week should be enough for any footballer, really. So that that the schedule is helping City while they've got such a big squad. Once once injuries start to bite again, which the you know law of averages suggests they will in, in the next few weeks. Um, well, then then it starts to become more of an issue. You know, players might have to play twice a week or even three times a week. But at the moment, this the, the size of the squad and the quality of the squad is really paying off. The only weak link I've kind of noticed in the last few games is maybe Gabriel Jesus. I remember the the Everton game when the game was still level at 0-0 and 1-1. He missed two really good chances that he'd want a striker you know, of the kind of responsibility on him to score. When these games, you know, as such Stu mentions, the big kind of title, well, the title's already done pretty much, but the big Champions League games, um, missing those sort of chances could prove costly. But then he still managed to score against Gladbach on Wednesday. Like, is he kind of in danger of losing his spot? Um especially now Aguero's back and yet more good news for City this week? Um, I don't think he's in danger of losing his spot to Aguero in the in the near future because Aguero's still kind of not at 100%. Um, he, he showed in midweek his, his best and his worst. It, it's, he was brilliant at pressing and leading from the front and that gets City gold. But um, he had that really obvious chance um, at 1-0 that he should have scored. And until he starts scoring those goals... He's going to be vulnerable because City are looking at signing a striker in uh, in the summer, and you know nobody presses like Jesus can. But if he can find someone who can press almost as well as him, or be trained to press almost as well as him, because Aguero was trained to do that mm-hmm. a few years ago, but can finish a lot better than Jesus can, then I think he is vulnerable because City aren't kind of in the mood to to wait around for however long it takes for for someone to get get better necessarily how do you see kind of jesus's development coming to you like, i think i think as i says he's been a very good player and i think pep was really complimentary about him in his press conference of how he does press so much and he's unselfish and that is true and i've often thought that he actually looks a bit better out on the, the on the flank where his pressing is even more important and it's not the pressure isn't as much on him to score but 
as Sai says, goals are as a, what the striker kind of earns his money for. And if he's missing really important chances, he's kind of, as I say, if a new striker comes in the summer, you know, a certain Erling Haaland or Lautaro Martinez or someone of that ilk, he could quickly find himself kind of on the outs. I think we're forgetting he's 23. You know, that's that's the age Sergio Aguero was when he came to City. <laughs> Aguero was pretty good when he came to City mm-hmm. and scored quite he, a lot he of was. goals. And he scored was. quite yeah, a lot of goals. Absolutely, absolutely correct. But, but, you know, he, he what I'm saying is Aguero didn't make the, the step into the Premier League until he was 23. Jesus done it a lot younger. And I... I I mean, I like him. I really, I really, I mean, I, I like honest players, and he's he's an honest, hardworking pro. Uh, and he's like we say, he's pressing. I think back to the two Real Madrid games uh, in the Champions League last mm-hmm. season, where he was man of the match in both. Yeah, and he's pressing. He played out wide. I think. Sorry. And he played out wide, if I remember correctly, because Foden played as the false nine for at least one of them. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it is easier for a, for a player to play out wide. I mean, Foden himself has found it easier to play. Mm-hmm. In wide positions, when he's he's actually you know he's more of a he's sort of seen as more of a ten, some more of a central player. So you know I, I think it is easier because you've only got one side to worry about and you, you've got a better view of the game. You, there's not as much going on around you when you when you're sort of in a wider position. But I I still really like Jesus and the point about him only being 23, the same age as Aguero was when he came, is that he's still learning the game. Uh, and that you know, I I think that we've been waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it. His goals record isn't actually that bad when you look at it. You know, he's most most strikers would kill to have the goals record that he's got. And then we, you pick up on the fact that he he missed that one against Gladbach. They've all done that. I mean, Aguero's done it, but he's always going to be held up against Aguero. That's that's the yardstick, and that's his biggest problem. You know, when you've got an absolute legend and somebody who's the deadliest striker in Premier League history. Um, as, as your yardstick, you're gonna you're gonna struggle. Uh, but I mean, Sai made a good point that City are at the level now where they can get a player who does all that and scores goals as well. And Jesus has got to prove probably in the next six months or so that he is that player. He's such a confidence player. Aguero doesn't seem that way. Aguero just seems to go out and believe he's going to score in every game, even when he's not playing particularly well. Jesus needs a little run in the side and he, he needs to get a goal or two. Uh, and then his confidence starts to build, but then it seems to come down a little bit when in front of goal when he, uh, as soon as he misses one or two. Well, as we said, that's now 19 wins in a row for sitting out, an amazing kind of record, 12 away from home. Where does this team rank, Si, amongst kind of Pep's best City teams and from Bayern and Barcelona? I think, as we've said, the football might not be quite as exciting, but in terms of the results he's getting in the circumstances, it might be one of his best achievements, if not his outright best football team. Yeah, I think wait and see what they win this year. But um, mm-hmm. certainly the way they are winning games in a way that nobody expected them to do certainly puts them right up there for me. You know, when they won the league with 100 points, that was incredible. And no one had, had seen the football like that. And, it, you know, the relentlessness to win. And the season after, when they when they won, uh, held Liverpool off to... By a point, that was phenomenal as well. I think this year, the way they've evolved tactically with Cancelo mm-hmm. and the way they have pulled out a run of results that started when they had like 14 players with their, the COVID outbreak has been been nothing short of remarkable. Everyone keeps saying now, oh, you know, it's not a surprise. Everyone expected this to happen. Well, nobody no. did. I, I've no. not seen, I didn't see anything written at the start of the season or in the middle of December saying that City would be 10 <laughs> points clear right now. And now no. suddenly, because they are, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we always expected this. It's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. It is. And and that's what makes City and 
an outstanding team. And I think City, you know, 2017 to ongoing deserve to be seen, you know, in the same bracket mm-hmm. as, as the best teams that have come before in this country and elsewhere. Yeah, I think it's spot on. Like, you know, City, they're playing the early game on Saturday. Could be 13 points clear of United by the time they play on Sunday. And then they play Chelsea, who are getting back. There's no guarantee they'll get three points there. You know, the, the, the league could already pretty much be won by March with the way kind of the things the season's going and you're right no one saw it coming at the start of the year City were I think they started with a good win against Wolves but then were shaky for for a few months like for most of the end of 2020 I think it took them a good two maybe even three months before they won two games in a row which is absolutely insane when you consider the run they're on now this form was so bitty they were getting draws against standard teams you'd expect them to easily sweep side I think it's been well documented Pep Guardiola's kind of he's he's always kind of thrown out by people who kind of you know call him fraudulent or whatnot that he only plays one way but he's not at all he's adapted so much he's become a pragmatist he's known that City can't continue playing the really attractive health for leather style they were playing and now they've been a little bit more conservative not running as much happy to defend solidly hold leads I think it's kind of it shows that Guardiola you know is amongst the absolute best managers of all time, Stu. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, it made me chuckle uh, last week to hear Jurgen Klopp saying that, uh, you know, in normal circumstances, City wouldn't be 19 points clear of Liverpool. But you're thinking, well, the abnormal circumstances apply to both clubs, surely, mm-hmm. both teams. You know, City yeah. have had to cope with exactly the same problems as Liverpool have had to cope with in, in, in pandemic lockdown football. You know, I mean... I'm not sure exactly what Klopp was driving at. Whether he's trying to say that the the atmosphere at Anfield was was a big plus for them, which it, which it, mm-hmm. it was. That's the only thing I can think of. You know, uh, City have still had the, the same issues. You know, they've had to deal with the bubble. They've had to deal with players isolating and and all everything that has come with 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 COVID. And that to me just makes it even more remarkable what 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 City have achieved and the mm-hmm. fact that Guardiola. You know, you're not talking about adopting your game uh, to the, adopting his style to the English game, which he'd already done. Um, you're not talking about adapting to the way opponents play. You're talking about adapting to the situation, you know, mm-hmm. and sort of thinking it through. That there are so many more games. You, you've got, you know, the, the players. There's going to be so many more stresses on the players. So adapting, adapting the game in terms of, like you said, how much players run. You know, protecting them a little bit from fatigue, protecting them a little bit from injury. And obviously, it's difficult to say why, but that kind of feeds into the idea that City have now got pretty much a full squad to choose from. There's only Nathan Ake. There's a bit of luck involved in that as well, of course. It always is if you avoid injuries in football. But you kind of wonder how much doing that is is now paying that dividend that City have got a, a bit a big squad, which is something we can never work out. But it, it does it does sort of tally with with that. But yeah, I mean, Guardiola was anyway one of the, one of the the great innovators, a great adapter. I, I, I saw I saw one piece this week. It was talking about how earlier in the season the players had given up on Guardiola. You know, they they, they were irritated by him, and that was the reason for for City's. Uh, malaise at the start of the season. I don't think it was that at all. I, th- I think the problem at the start of the season was a hangover from the previous season. You know, the fact that they, they hadn't had a proper pre-season. Um, they did almost bounce straight from uh, the Champions League and the disappointment of that straight into the new season. Uh, I, th- I think it would have been a lot more terminal if it had been the fact that the players were, were getting irritated and, and annoyed with Guardiola's methods. I, I think there was there was, a, there was there were issues not feeling right, not feeling prepared. Um, and it reached a point where not only did Guardiola and his staff tweak the tweak the way they were working, 
But the players had that meeting, the meeting that we've heard talk about with Fernandinho leading the way and saying, look, you know, we're Manchester City, we need to be better than this. And it's down to us, you know, the manager's doing his thing. We need to be the ones who, who pick this up. And since then, they have picked it up um, and they've gone on this run. Pep always gives the credit to his players, but we can give credit where credit's due to Guardiola for turning it around. Yeah, I remember saying in our season preview that kind of Pep does have questions to answer this year because he's never been able to... Um, he's always left before a fifth year. He never had to rebuild before. He's never done it. Will he be able to do it? And he has, you know, so full marks to him and City are now reaping the benefits and are undoubtedly going to win the league at an absolute canter. But to do that, they've got another game on Saturday, a quick turnaround from late night in Budapest to half 12 on Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. They've got West Ham side, not as easy as a proposition as it has been in years gone by. They're West Ham a fourth and are great, having a great season, but you can't see anything else but a City win, really, can you? You can't, but no, I think, you know, the passage of time also helps frame City's uh, struggles earlier in the season because, let me look, well, they lost to Leicester, they drew at Leeds and West Ham, drew with Liverpool, lost to Spurs, and then United and West Brom are the only other teams they've dropped points against. I think West Brom are the only team out of those who were in the bottom half of the table. So at the time, City drew at West Ham and you thought, well, this is rubbish. They normally beat West Ham 5-0 every time they play them. But now, 25 games in, West Ham are the fourth best team in the country. So points that may have looked like more points dropped actually, you know, look better a few months on and as we know more about about the season West Ham have just been terrific I mean Guardiola's obviously at the at the front of the queue for for manager of the year but David Moyes has to be right in that conversation if if West Ham can hold on and, and get in the Champions League ahead of teams that have spent a lot more than him Moyes has this kind of like hangover from failing at United in situation that was was far from ideal really and it's not like anyone else has made a success of the job after him at United so He's he's showing again why he's such a good manager, and uh, it, it's going to be tough for for City. What what West Ham did in the previous game was they just gave City the flanks. They said we're going to sit tight in our box and control everything, and it's up to you to break us down. And City were kind of utterly uninspired, certainly before Phil Foden came on, and and they couldn't do that. So in the big sort of transformation of the season that Stu was talking about Guardiola decided to go back to wingers who would hug the touchline and stretch defences wide as well as across and um, and that's made a big difference so I, I think that could could be key for uh, for Saturday's game and how about you Stu how do you see the game going on Saturday I was going to say it's a tough one but City just seem to specialise in making the tough ones look easy uh, but I, I, I suspect it'll follow the same script as most recent City games with City having 70, 75% of possession, possession. West Ham trying to stick to, as Sai said, the, a formula that worked for them uh, in, in the early part of the season. Um, and City just having to try and find ways around them or through them. But City are better equipped now to do that. Uh, and they've got the confidence and the, that patience will bring the goals. You know, a little earlier in the season, they were trying to force it a little bit too much as, as well as other problems. Now they just sort of keep the ball and think, yeah, it will happen. Let's just, let's not, we don't need to overcommit too early. Let's just keep keep the ball and keep knocking it around, probing and prompting and, and something will happen. And invariably it does. 
And when, once you've got that confidence, it, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a big weapon to have. And I, I think that will, that will pay dividends again for City tomorrow. Yeah, um, well, I'm sure it'll be this time next week we'll be talking about another win or two. But before we kind of sign off on this week's episode of the podcast, we're going to have a kind of a feature roundup from what we're expecting down the pipeline um, this coming weekend. So, Sai, si, what are we what are we expecting from you this weekend? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> what a great way to start this uh, new feature. Eh? How about you, Stu? What have we got? I hope you're joking. Um, oh, were you not? Jo- were you not joking? Then, were you? I'd, I'd leave you. I'd be um, sure before I, I... I, I've written something about um, Carlos Tevez, his time in Manchester, having been part of sort of one of the the greatest United mm-hmm. teams ever, and then crossing the road, welcome to Manchester, etc. Um, but I suspect that may not be used until closer to the derby next weekend. Right, well, a little teaser, and a little teaser for you listeners. And then Stu, can you? Give something a bit more, bit more um, concrete that we're gonna that they're gonna get this weekend. Well, it looks like my my piece about a, a different Argentina international has, has bumped <laughs> Simon's off. Quite <laughs> rightly. No, I mean I, I've I've done a piece, uh, a long read about a certain Pablo Zabaleta. Obviously, he, he finished his career at West Ham, so that's where the tie-in is there. And just why, in an era when City have had such great players, you know, great world-class stars, why City fans took Pablo Zobleta to the hearts, perhaps more than they, they have done with Sergio Aguero and David Silva and Vincent Company and, and the Ayatori and all these other great players that they've had. What exactly? They're trying to get to the nub of why City fans love love Zabaleta so much. And and just sort of little uh, little insights into into the man himself and you know the the way he was around the dressing room. Sounds very interesting. I'm sure. And have you got something on Bruno Fernandez that's already gone live? I believe. <laughs> yes, I've written a piece. I, you know, it, it struck me that um, Bruno Fernandez is Evans' favourite to win Player of the Year, and he just. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think he's a terrific player, and he's made a massive difference at United. And I'm not knocking. I'm not trying to say he's not a good player, but I suddenly thought, well, would he get into City's team? You know, we we, we could yet again. There's. A, I mean. We've had this in the past, haven't we? We had Virgil van Dijk winning it and we had Mo Salah winning mm-hmm. it. I would suggest that both of those players would have got into the City team, good as the City team was when they won the title those two years. But for me, Bruno Fernandes does not get into this Manchester City team. Uh, mm. He'd certainly be in the squad uh, and he'd be in the rotation. But if, if you're playing Bayern Munich in the Champions League final tomorrow and you've got Bruno Fernandes available along with all the other players in the squad who are all fit and in form, Bruno Fernandes doesn't make the cut. And yet he could he's, he's a favourite to win the player of the year. So that that's my piece. I'm sure it'll uh, it'll get a few United fans at it, but I'm sure it will uh I'm sure City fans will be uh will, will, will perhaps like to take a look at it as well. Well, we look forward to seeing those inevitable Twitter wars. But um if any readers wants to uh check out those pieces, you can go over to the Manchester Evening News forward slash Manchester City and yes, where you can get all our great work on both clubs in Manchester, although of course you would only want the ones that dressed in blue so yeah thank you all for kind of listening to us and we'll get you next week on the next episode of the talking city podcast Uh, see you later